Before starting this or any other teaching, we must all first agree that the entire book of the Holy Bible was all written by Holy Spirit-inspired authors. The whole book, everything from Genesis to Revelation, was written by the Holy Spirit. To pick and to choose how much of the Bible you want to believe as authority, accept what you agree with and omit what you disagree with, is where we get the word heretic, which means to choose in Greek. A heretical point of view can always change over time, so it's not the absolute standard of truth. Okay, we're going to continue with part two about Jesus being God. In our uh, modern times, what do we say? Uh, our contemporary times, meaning modern, that uh, talk is cheap. Actions speak louder than words. Many people claim to be God. Everyone from Satan to the Pharaoh, Nebuchadnezzar, the Prince of Tyre and Sidon, even the Emperor of Japan during World War II claimed that he was a living God. All throughout Jesus' ministry, he doesn't just say he's God, he shows it and he will ultimately show it when he returns in his risen form. The base scripture for this teaching is going to be 1 Corinthians 4.20. As it says, For the kingdom of God does not consist in word, but in power. Jesus reveals his deity. Uh, first through the New Testament, we're going to go to the first I am in the Old Testament. It's going to be in Exodus chapter 15.26. He is, I am your healer, Jehovah Rapha. Now it says in Exodus 15:26, if you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. Now the word Rapha in Hebrew also means the same as doctor or physician. So he is saying, I am your doctor. Now, the first place that Jesus manifests this is in Mark chapter 2, verse 5. It's not the first place, but it's the example that we're going to use. So if you turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 2, verse 5. So it's the uh, part where he heals the paralytic. It's the familiar story of Jesus forgiving the paralytic of his sins. Mark accounting how the scribes thought to themselves, he's blaspheming. Why does he speak this way? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Blasphemy according to the Jews and the scribes was disrespecting God by saying the name Yahweh, the religious part, or claiming divine status for oneself. Jesus never insulted God or uttered the name Yahweh, so clearly the 
blasphemy they were referring was Jesus think of himself as divine by saying to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you. Of course, the beautiful and climactic part of the story is when Jesus immediately being aware of their thoughts in his spirit asked them, why are you reasoning about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, get up, pick up your pallet and walk. But so that you may know that this man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, rise up, pick up your bed and walk. The Hebrew scribes would have been aware of and well versed in the Psalms, knowing Psalm 103, verse two and three. So if you wanna turn in your Bible, to Psalm 103, so we're going to go to the Psalm, verse 103, verses 2 and 3. Now it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity and heals all your diseases. So, in the Hebrew, the way the, the scribes would have known it is forgives all your avon. That is Strong's Hebrew 5771. Now, the Hebrew word avon, meaning iniquity, guilt, sin, or punishment for iniquity or sin, wickedness, crimes, or immorality. It encompasses all of those things. So in the Hebrew, it says, I am the one who forgives all your avon and heals all your tachalu. That is Strong's Hebrew 84.63. So it does say, I am the one who forgives your sin and heals all your sicknesses. And the scribes, knowing very well the, the verse because they wrote it and they were like the lawyers of the time. So they knew all this. They probably knew it by heart and by memory. So they knew it was an attribute possessed only by Yahweh. So demonstrating to them that I am Yahweh in the form of a son of man, and I have the ability and divine prerogative to forgive sins and heal diseases. So notice also the man has to do as Jesus instruct. It's an obedience issue. Just like I've heard another teacher say, in John verse chapter 5 verse 13 if you want to turn there that when people say you aren't healed because of a lack of faith that the man in chapter 5 didn't even know who Jesus was so how could he have faith see they want a couple of you know because some people say oh if you're not healed it's because you didn't have enough faith but the healing doesn't just have to do with faith it's an obedience issue because Jesus was showing his deity in healing the paralytic in chapter 5 and especially verse 13 it says he didn't even know who he was but Jesus was manifesting who he was Jehovah Rapha I am your healer because it says in Exodus 15 26 obey my voice pay close attention to my instructions of course I'm paraphrasing but that's the root of it if you will pay close attention to what I'm saying and obey my voice. I am your healer. Obviously, the man was a Jew because the others were saying in verse 10, it is not lawful to carry your pallet on the Sabbath. But then it gets profound when in verse 11, he says, he who made me well said, pick up your pallet and walk. It goes because Yahweh, Jehovah Jireh was standing before him and he gave him in his voice, pick up your pallet and walk. So he met the covenant condition. If you obey my voice, 
I am your doctor. I am your healer. And that was just Jesus manifesting his deity through that verse and through that miracle. Now, Jesus also is revealed in Psalm 107, verse 20. If you want to turn to Psalm 107, verse 20. Okay, 107, verse 20, it reads, He sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. See, he sent out his word and healed them. Now, while we're in Psalm 107, turn to 107, verse 23. And this goes to the seafaring passage when it speaks of the, uh, the sailors. It says, Some went down to the sea in the ships, if you read it. And it says, For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, lifted up the waves of the sea, mounted up to heaven, and they went down to the depths. Their courage melted. And then it goes on, you know, speaks of them, but it speaks of how he delivered them. And verse 29 says, He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Now there's going to be two verses. If you turn to John chapter 6, verse 19. Let's go to turn your Bibles to John chapter 6, verse 19. Okay, excuse me. It's going to be uh, 19 through 21. But if you look specifically at verse 21, it's going to say, Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land which they were going. Now, if you turn back, if you turn back to Psalm 107, turn your Bible back to Psalm 107, okay, and then you go to verse 30. Now, verse 30, it says the same thing. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. It goes hand in hand. Now, if you look at the verse about the seafaring passage, and then you go to Mark's gospel, right? And in, uh, let's see which chapter it is. Okay, it's going to be Mark chapter 4, verse 35 through 41. In Mark's gospel, verse 35 starts off with about the day when Jesus says to the disciples, let us go across the lake to the other side. Then a great storm arose. The waves were taking over the boat, and it began filling with water. And Jesus was in the back of the boat, asleep on the cushion. The disciples woke Jesus up and said, Rabbi, do you not care that we are perishing? So Jesus awoke and rebuked the wind and, and, and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. The disciples were amazed and immediately asking, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? The question is, who is this? Is answered in the psalm. If we look at Psalm 107, you know, it starts off in verse 25 and it says, He commanded and raised the tempest or the stormy wind which lifted the waves of the sea. Psalm 107, verse 25 is referring to Yahweh, God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. For he commanded and raised the tempest of the sea. Then the psalm goes on in verse 28 says, Then they, the sailors, in distress, cried out to the Lord, Yahweh, in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. 
Then they were glad, and the seas were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. The rhetorical question asked in Mark 4:41, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him is answered in the psalm. He is Yahweh in human form. Jesus is God Almighty. Later on in Mark's gospel in chapter 6, verse 45 through 54, 52, Jesus tells the disciples to get in the boat and go before him to Bethsaida. After going and dismissing the crowd, Jesus saw the disciples in the boat rowing painstakingly into the storm, for the wind was against them. In verse 49, the disciples saw Jesus walking on the sea and thought it was a ghost. Anyone being familiar with the story of Job can see in chapter 9 describing the attributes and abilities of God, aka Yahweh, in verse 8. So if you want to turn to Job, we're going to go to Job chapter 9, verse 8. Now we see in the book of Job chapter 9, verse 8, it reads, who alone stretches out the heavens and tramples the waves of the sea. Now, of course, it's referring to Yahweh. Yahweh is the one who alone stretches out the heavens and tramples the uh, Hebrew word that it uses, Darak, Strong's 1869. He darak's the waves of the sea. Darak's transliterated the Hebrew word, meaning tramples, treads, marches on, basically walks on the waves of the sea, something the Gospels testify as the act Jesus performed. So Yahweh in Job chapter 9 verse 8 walks on the water, and Jesus in Mark chapter 6 verse 48 through 49 walks on water, because Jesus is Yahweh. But as throughout the gospel, many clues were given to the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes, as well as all the Jews that knew the law and the prophets, so that they can put the pieces together and figure out who Jesus is. But it is just as Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 25, and Luke chapter 10, 21, the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 10, that Jesus says, rejoiced, he says in 1021, Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the understanding and revealed them to the nepios, that is Strong's 3516, nepios meaning children, simple-minded or unlearned, the uneducated, for such was your gracious will. The truth remained hidden from the wise and educated leaders of Israel, although some of the Pharisees saw the truth, like Nicodemus and Joseph Arimathea, for example. This also reflecting Jesus goes on to quote Isaiah chapter 6, and he does that in Luke 8, 10 through 12, and 13, Matthew chapter 13, about how Yahweh God himself tells Isaiah and go and say to the people that you know that there are let's see what it says there yeah he says in Isaiah chapter 6 verses uh, 9 he says they keep on hearing but do not understand they keep on seeing but do not perceive 
that because they've made the people their hearts dull and their ears heavy and have blind their eyes so that they don't see and hear but i notice when if we go back to uh what he says in luke chapter 10 21 he says i thank you father lord of heaven and earth i want you to take take that and underline that because that's going to be another teaching in the future about notice he says lord of heaven and earth that yahweh is lord lord research what the word lord means and you'll see that it's god who rules all his sovereign but that's another episode so the next name of god we're going to go to is jehovah jireh is the lord your provider the first reference to that is in genesis 22:14. the lord will provide or i am your provider Again, this provision in, is coupled with faith and obedience. We'll go to examples in the gospel that Jesus manifests, meaning to manifest, meaning to reveal. He reveals his deity, Jehovah Jireh, in Luke chapter 5, verse 4 through 7, and John chapter 21, verse 6 through 8. The, this is the verse where Jesus instructs them to cast the net into the water. Now in Luke 5, chapter 5, verse 5, Simon Peter says, Master, we have toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. See, faith through the act of obedience is what will produce supernatural provision. Because notice he says, we have done this, but at your word, basically, I will obey what you just told me to do. See, in order to get the supernatural provision, the most important part is faith, but also obedience as in a demonstration of that faith. Obedience is very important. See, so this is Jesus manifesting the name of God. I am your provider. The next example is going to be in Matthew chapter 17, verse 27, when Jesus gives Simon Peter the instructions about you know finding the casting your hook into the water and then simon peter does as the lord instructs him he obeys and then he finds a shekel in the mouth of the fish just as jesus said he was and then of course in the next part of all four gospels another manifestation of jehovah jireh is of course jesus feeding the five thousand of course that's going to be matthew chapter 14 verses 13 through 21 Mark chapter 6 verses 31 through 44, Luke chapter 9 verses 12 through 17, and John chapter 6 verses 1 through 14. Now, most people are familiar with the story, Jesus feeding the 5,000. That's another manifestation of his divine name. I am your provider, Jehovah Jireh. And then we're going to go to another part, if you will turn in your Bible to John chapter 2 verse 1 through 10 when Jesus turns the water into wine. Now, the interesting part to pay attention to is verse five. Notice Mary says to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Another verse, another version, a translation says, whatever he says to do, do it. It's because more than likely she knew that whatever Jesus was going to tell them to do was gonna make no earthly sense. This kind of goes back to, it doesn't kind of go, it does go back to Proverb 3.5 about 
trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. See, because the issue was more wine. And what Jesus was telling them to do made no sense. And Mary probably knew, you know, it's it's not going to make any sense what he's telling you to do, but don't go on your own logic. Because logically, the sense of more wine doesn't involve you going and getting some, basically what the jars were full of was dirty bath water, and put it into the jars. And then, see, they obeyed. She knew. She told them, make sure you do what he tells you. And then because they obeyed, and it had made no earthly sense, but Jesus was able to supernaturally provide wine. But it required obedience without leaning on one's own understanding. So thus, Jesus turning water into wine was another manifestation of I am your provider. But the key thing is it took obedience. Obedience and not to try to figure out, hey, this makes no sense. Just have faith that Whatever crazy thing he's telling you to do, if it's from him, he will provide what he's saying he will provide. Now, the next part we're going to go to is while we're in the, the gospel of John is go to John chapter four, verse 10. Put your finger there, hold your place and then turn to the Old Testament to Jeremiah chapter two, verses 12 and 13. So if you read Jeremiah chapter two, verses 12 and 13, the Lord Yahweh refers to himself as the fountain of living waters. If so, if you just read through verses 12 and 13, you will see that he is the fountain of living waters. Now turn back to John chapter 4, verse 10, where Jesus is saying to the Samaritan woman, if you knew who it was that is talking to you, if you knew who it was that's asking you for a drink, you would have asked me for a drink of living water. This is basically Jesus saying, I am Yahweh because I am the fountain of living water. So, so there is a lot more in John's gospel that Jesus we're going to get into on the next episode. It gets even deeper about Jesus is Yahweh and he refers to it if you Learn the language in the Greek and the Hebrew. We're going to jump back and forth from the Old and New Testament, just like we did. And Jesus is Yahweh. So we will continue with part three. Hopefully you will join me. God bless.